right, I'm glad to have you tonight. Acts 16, 16. Did I say 15 or did Sometimes I could say things, you never know. So we're in chapter 16. If we were in chapter 15, it would still be good too, so we'd be all right. The book of Acts, as we've been studying through it, one of the things I love about the book of Acts is the fact that the gospel just keeps moving. Yes, there are problems that arise, and the church has to keep dealing with different issues that come up, and we've looked at that, but the gospel keeps moving. We see Paul and Barnabas split up a couple weeks ago, but the gospel just keeps moving. It's amazing how men can try to mess everything up, or even when we do, the gospel just keeps moving. And God, I don't know if you've realized this yet, but God wants people to be saved. Have you realized that? He does. That's why the gospel keeps moving. And the gospel is going to keep moving till the Lord comes. And thank God for that. And aren't you grateful that the gospel keeps being given? Aren't you grateful for the person who told you about Jesus? I'm grateful for the person that told me about Jesus. And uh, when's the last time you told somebody about Jesus? I would encourage you to grab some gospel tracts, tell someone about Jesus. It's the best thing you'll ever do. Instead of calling and complaining about how crazy politics are and the news and everything else, take a gospel track and tell someone about Jesus. It's the best news in all the world. And so I would just encourage you with that. And there's nothing like telling people. If you've never been able, and this is the thing, the Lord does the work, he just uses us. And thank God that he does. But if you've never been able to lead someone to the Lord, there is no experience like it. It's one of the greatest things in all the world, seeing someone come to Christ. And I would just encourage you, share you're, share the gospel. You say, well, pastor, I'm no good at it. Guess what? Neither am I. And there are, you would be amazed. Uh, sometimes people will go with me, soul winning, and go, and they're like, you're really not very good at this, are you? I'm like, no, I'm not very good at this. And people are honest with it. I'm not very good at it. There are times I stumble over my own words. I still will say, that, hey, this Brian from Faith Baptist Church, that's the church I grew up in. It's not even the church I'm a part of now. And I'm the pastor of the church here, and I can't even give the right name when I talk to somebody. Go figure that out, right? But um, just do it. The Lord picks up the pieces. God just wants us to be willing. Share your testimony. Let people know how awesome Jesus is. It's what this world needs to hear. Do you realize all day long, everyone gets to hear about how awful everything is? How awful, how awful the electric bills are, how awful gas is, how awful all this stuff is. People need to hear something good. And there's nothing better than talking about Jesus Christ. That's a side note. But Acts 16, verse number 6 tonight, the Bible says here, now, when they had gone throughout Perga and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, do you see that the Holy Spirit forbid them here? Do you see this? It is a good thing in the Christian life to be sensitive to the Spirit of God. And the hard thing is, when is it the Spirit of God and when is it me? I was talking with someone earlier today and doing some different mission trips and different things. Make sure your decisions you make are not based on a moment experience. Make sure it's what God wants and you're following the leading of God's Spirit. And so we see that the Spirit stops them here. And after they had gone to Mesia, they sailed to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. And they passed through Mesia and came to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we... Now, it's the first time we see the word we in the book of Acts. Before this time, the we is never there. 
When we started the book of Acts, I told you probably who penned these words. Who penned these words? Anybody remember? Luke. And so this is probably the time that Luke started traveling with Paul. So you see it goes from Paul and him to we. Do you see that there? And so it says, um, And we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Therefore, losing from Troas, we came with a straight course to that place. Sam, go, go ahead, Abram. Say it nice and loud. Yes, I think you got that right there. That was good. I just want to see if you could say it or not. And the next day to Neapolis, and from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia in a colony. And we were in that city abiding certain days. And on the Sabbath, we went out of the city by the riverside where prayer was wont to be made. And we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted thither. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple, of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us. Let's look at what it says here. Whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized in her household, she besought us, saying, If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. We look at this passage here tonight, and as Paul gets going on his second missionary journey, going back, he wanted to visit the churches he had been to, help establish them, and help ground them in the truths. We see that at, what happens is we see God changes their direction. And instead of going towards Asia and going east, God, the Spirit of God, moves them west into Europe and that way and so as we look here tonight, we see this take place. And when you think about the city of Philippi, it was the chief city of Macedonia, like the capital, you would say. And this city, something that's very interesting, you'll notice that when Paul would go into cities, where would Paul go? He would go to the synagogues and speak. You'll notice that in Philippi, there are no synagogues. If you notice, they met by the riverside. Because there were no synagogues. Why was there not a synagogue? Maybe they were, some people think that maybe they were anti-Semitic. And they didn't like the Jews there. I don't know. I, all I know is they didn't have a synagogue for them to go to. So these people gathered by the riverside. And what we see, the fact is that the gospel just keeps moving. Let's have a word of prayer. We'll dive in tonight and see what we can get out of this passage. Father, we thank you for the time that we have tonight. And we thank you for your many blessings. We thank you for your love, for your mercy, and for your grace. And we thank you for the work that you do. And I am so, when, I, when my mind stops to think about this stuff, and I read these passages, and I see your guiding and leading the early church and leading the early missionaries, and to see that you do the same thing today and you lead your church, it's just an awesome privilege and an honor to be able to serve the King of Kings. Thank you for it. And may we never take for granted what you allow us to be a part of. And this thing is a lot bigger tonight than just us in Victory Baptist Church. This is big. The gospel getting to the lost. And we thank you that we get to be a part of that tonight. Bless the time that we have as we look at this passage. We love you. We need you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Number one, if you're following along in the outline, we see number one tonight, God's call to Europe. We see that right away. As I mentioned earlier, we see they were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to go into Asia. 
You see the Spirit suffered them not there to keep going to these different places. And then we see finally a vision comes to Paul, and immediately they went where God led them to go. So as we think about God's call to Europe, the first thing that we notice, letter A, is the fact that Paul was led by the Spirit. And may I just remind you tonight, Christian, that's how life should be. We need to be led by the Spirit of God. God's Spirit needs to lead the believer. He is, you think about this, greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. We need today Spirit-filled Christians. The problem is we don't have a lot of Spirit-filled Christians. We're filled with something, but it's not what we need to be filled with. And the sad part of it is in the Christian life, and especially in Christians in 2023, there is more filling of self than there is being filled with the Spirit of God. And you say, well, how can I be filled with the Spirit? Is there some trick to it, some trade? Can I get more? You've got to understand, each one of us has just as much of the Holy Spirit inside of us as anyone else sitting in this room if you're a child of God. You do not have any more access to it than anyone else sitting here. And anyone who's ever had the Spirit of God on them, after Christ died on the cross, the Spirit of God came and stays with us. Thank God it's not like in the Old Testament where the Spirit would come and go, like with Samson, or David said, don't take your Holy Spirit power from me. Thank God it's not that way. So we each have the Spirit of God. And just like we read about Paul right here, the Spirit of God was trying to lead him on what to do. I wonder today if the Spirit of God came to you and was trying to lead you where you need to go and what you need. Would you listen? Or would you try to do it your way? In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. I'm a firm believer that that verse is true. I'm a firm believer the steps of a good man or woman are ordered by the Lord. I believe that tonight. And I believe that God will lead his children along. Some through the water, some through the flood, some through the fire, but all through the blood, as the song says. Are you sensitive enough to hear what the Spirit's trying to say and letting him lead you and guide you? That's what we need today. Don't trust yourself. Don't go with what you think is best. I know, what was it? Jiminy Cricket. Always let your conscience be your guide. I don't think that's a good way to live. Because you've got to understand something about your conscience. Your conscience can mess you up. Say, well, why? Whoa, your conscience can mess you up? Your conscience learns everything around you and what you put into it. I'll put it this way, and don't, don't get mad at me. Don't get mad at me. I grew up in a very strong, fundamental Baptist church, and I am all for it. I have no bones to pick with that. I'm fine with that. My pastor is going to be speaking here in a few weeks on a Sunday afternoon. I love him. I'm grateful for him. But there are some things that, that was pushed in our movement that never followed this book. It was more of a preference-based thing that not really is Bible, but someone's opinion on something. So there are times inside of me where I see people do things or some th certain things happen, and all of a sudden my conscience will be like, I can't, I can't do that. Now, are some of those things, should I not? Yes, I shouldn't be doing it. I get that. I'm not saying everything people do. It's amazing. Some people will not be so independent, fundamental Baptist, and then they just lose everything, go jump in a lake. You don't need to go jump in a lake. There's a lot of great stuff that you learn. Keep that. Grow with that. Let it make you into what God wants you to be. But there are some things inside of me that I look back, and because of the way I was taught on certain things, my conscience, that's where it goes. But my conscience will not always be in line with what this book says. 
And you must be sensitive to the leading of God and his word. I've said before in this pulpit, there were several things I would never do in this church. And the Spirit of God has convicted me and changed me on some of those things. You say, well, why? Why did God do that? I don't know why he did that. But I need to be sensitive to the Spirit of God more than I am to myself. And where Does that make any sense? I think that makes sense. Our conscience, be careful, it can lead you wrong. The Spirit of God never leads you wrong. Follow the Lord. Follow his book. Paul was led by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit gave the leadership for ministry throughout the New Testament. I think it's the same way today. In churches, we need the Spirit of God to lead us on what we do next. Like, I'm waiting. We need on Sunday, we need a bigger building. We do. I'm not just going to go out. We're not just going to go out and spend a bunch of money and go get a new big, big building. We're going to wait on the Spirit of God to lead us to do something. And if he doesn't lead us to do anything, we've got to th- start a third service. We'll do whatever he wants us to do. We're going to let the Spirit lead, not us. It's very important. Paul was led by the Spirit. The Bible tells us to quench not the Spirit. And there are times in our lives where we do quench the Spirit, don't we? I always think of taking a fire extinguisher on a flame and letting it go and puts out the fire. The Spirit of God wants to do a work, but we quench him. Don't quench him. Let the Spirit of God do his work. The Bible talks about in Ephesians 4, verse number 30, this was written to save people. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. And that is talking about, and the next verse says, you got to put away all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking. Put away from you and be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. And we can grieve the Spirit when we're full of bitterness, when we have that anger inside of us, when we're speaking bad about other people. We can grieve the Spirit by the actions that we do in our lives. And our goal should never be to grieve the Spirit of God. Our goal should be to listen and do what the Spirit of God tells us to do. How important that is. We see Paul here. We see God's call to Europe. Paul was led by the Spirit, but letter B, we see the fact that Paul heard the call of God to Macedonia. You want to know why I believe Paul heard the call? Because he was sensitive to the Spirit of God. Now I know we look at it and you say, well, he had a vision. Pastor, I'm waiting for God to give me that vision. I've been waiting for God to give me a vision on some things too, and it still hasn't happened. So why did God give visions there? Because they didn't have the entire Bible like we have tonight. You don't need a vision tonight. Do you realize that? You don't. God has given you his written word. God's written word is enough. God will tell you what you should do and shouldn't do. You don't need a vision. If you trust, and you know, do you trust? I had a dream. People tell me all the time I had a dream. I had a dream a couple nights ago. So I was told, I went to the dentist again this last week, and tomorrow I get another tooth pulled. It's a wonderful thing. And they got to do a bunch of work, and so it's going to be wonderful getting another tooth pulled. That night, I'm laying in bed sleeping, And I woke up in the middle of the night, and literally in my dream, I'm driving my car, and every tooth in my mouth disintegrated, and they were gone. I had had nothing left. They were all gone. And I wake up, and I'm like, hopefully that's not a sign of anything. And I'm feeling around in my mouth. They're still all there. I'm not going to trust that dream right there. I know before I went to sleep, I was thinking about the expense and the pain of having a tooth pulled. 
I mentioned before, I had a dream a while back, remember? I, I thought I was burning in hell. I told you about that dream, right? And I had pepperoni pizza the night before I went to sleep. And it was hard. Literally, my chest was on fire. I woke up and my chest was on fire. You're like, do you think that was God trying to tell you that you're going to go to hell? No. I think that was God trying to tell me, don't eat pepperoni pizza. Just stay away from that. Mountain Mike's around the corner. Don't get all that pepperoni on there. Not good for you. But sometimes people go crazy. I had a dream. I get that. God doesn't speak to us in visions today. He speaks to us through his word. Every major decision I've made in my life, I've gotten confirmation from the word of God. Every single, when God called me to preach, it was his word that confirmed. It was his word that even when I said no, confirmed I still needed to do it. His word confirmed it. Every time, the Lord just works. It's amazing how he works. And God speaks to us today through his word. Say, well, the weather, it's just, you know, the wind blew this way, so that's what I'm going to, no. Don't base your life on what way the wind blows or if it rains or whatever happens. Base your life on this book and what it says. Paul had a vision here. They didn't have the complete Bible like we have. And so this is how God, you got to remember the book of Acts. This is where the beginning of things happen. You don't take your doctrine from the book of Acts. We get the history and how things begin. Don't get your doctrine from Acts. Get your history of it and use that, but get your doctrine from Paul's epistles. So we see that he has this vision. And look with me down there at verse number 9. It says, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night, and there stood a man in Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. You see, immediately this happens. We see Luke is introduced into the passage. We see we, as I mentioned, is used here for the first time. And we see that Paul wanted a clear message from God on what to do, and God gave it to him. It's where sometimes we want to rush God. God, I need an answer right now. Why don't you just be faithful to God today and wait for God to give you an answer? That's not always easy. We, want the, we have the Burger King type Christianity, right? Have it your way right away at Burger King now or something. That used to be how it used to go. We want answers right now. It's just like we go to get fast food. We want to be in and out because it's called in and out. But you're in the drive-thru for like in and stay in for like an hour and then you get your food. And we don't like that. It's supposed to be in and out. It doesn't work that way always. And sometimes we want an answer from God like that. You see, God told Paul, hey, don't go, don't go into Asia don't go here. Well, where am I supposed to go? God told him. Be sensitive to the Spirit of God, but Paul heard the call to go to Macedonia. And when he knew what God wanted him to do, he went without hesitation. Immediately he went. So number one, we see God's call to Europe. Number two, number two, we see starting of the church in Philippi. And uh, in all reality, this church was really a blessing to Paul. And what they did with mission, there's a lot that came, this church did a lot. But we see the beginning of it. And it's always neat to be able to look and see the roots of a church and it getting started. Because a lot of times, people that come along later on never get to see all those things. You know, I love reading some of the old papers that the church had here 50, almost 53 years ago. And reading how in the first couple months they were thrilled seventy three left after they paid their bills. 
they were excited about $1.73. People in the church, brand new within, within a year of the church even starting, were giving loans to the church that they didn't even want paid back so that the church could get this building back in the day. We don't have a clue about all that stuff. When I got here, the property's already paid off, all those things. The church was not big and not many people here, but there was a great foundation laid. And we look and we think about what happened here. We see the beginning of this church, and it's kind of neat to see what happened. Now, as we look here, I already mentioned, look down at verse 13 and 14. It said, on the Sabbath, we went out of the city by the riverside. And as I mentioned, Paul normally, when he would go into a city in his first missionary journey, he would go into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. But there was no synagogue here. It says, where prayer was wont to be made, and, he, and we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted thither, and a certain woman named Lydia, seller of purple, the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And since there was no synagogue there, where does Paul go to? He goes to the riverside here. And as we see this, letter A, as we look at this passage here and we continue on, we see the people of the region. And what we see is there were some people that were, at, they didn't have a synagogue, but they were down by the river wanting to learn. They were seeking for the truth of God. And I am a firm believer that if you are seeking for the Lord, you will find him. Didn't that passage say that the Lord opened her heart? She wanted the Lord. And I mentioned it before, we could look in the book of John, I believe it's very clear that everyone that enters into this world enters in with a little bit of light. Not enough light to save them, but enough light to know that there is a God. It says, the light which lieth every man that cometh into the world, John chapter number 1. And every man has a little bit of light. That's why the Bible says, a fool says in his heart there is no God. Because everyone knows there is a God. Because we've been given that much light. That light is not enough to save you because that doesn't give you the full story, but there's enough light to spark the interest there. And what you do with the light you've been given, see how far it goes. And this lady wanted to know, and the Lord opened her heart. We see this here, and we see that in this city there were people searching for truth. And you, these people were either Jews or they had interest in Judaism. They're out there trying to pray. Lydia was a seller of purple. And this purple was extracted from a seashell by the sea there and was used to dye clothes and things like that. You know, we almost have a Lydia in our church, right? Wouldn't we call Michelle Miss Purple back there? Purple car, purple clothes, purple bag, purple everything. And so Lydia is probably similar to that there. And so her purple is probably a little better than Michelle's purple. But anyways, I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, Michelle. That was just a joke, just a joke back there. And so... But as we look, we see that these people were searching for truth. Do you realize that even today, there are still people that want the truth? There is. So there are not many. How do you know? There are people searching for the truth. And truth is hard to find in 2023. They're searching. There are people searching here. We see the people of the region, letter B, letter B. We see that God was opening the doors. And man, when God opens the door, just go right through those doors. I think that's what we need today. And look, we see the fact that God was preparing things. As we look in verse 14 there, it says the fact that God, that whose heart the Lord opened. 
As we look there, that word open means to open by, by dividing asunder. The Lord was preparing her heart. And as we look there, it says that they heard. Do you see right before that, before whose heart the Lord opened? It says, which worship God heard us. Do you see the fact that she heard? That word is in the imperfect tense, indicating she probably heard Paul more than once. This was not just the first time she heard these words. But the Lord prepared Lydia's heart through what? Through the talking of Paul? No, through the word of God and the teaching and preaching of God's word that was given. That's why, church, don't ever forget the fact the word of God, it's quick, powerful, sharpening, two-edged sword. I remember, man, if I could go back to, man, if I could go back to Bible college or if I could go back to a class, I taught a personal evangelism class several years ago at, um, at a college not far from here. I wish I could go back and reteach that class today from how I taught it. Because, and even when I was in college, and I don't, I don't blame any, and everyone has their different thoughts, but literally it was trying, how can you, you know, how can you get them to pray with you? How can you do this? How can you do that? And that's never the way it should be. And when I taught the class, I was very similar to that. You got to be friendly at their door, and you got to do this, and you got to do that. You do need to be friendly. I don't, I don't recommend you go knock on someone's door and say, turn or burn. That's not the way to start a conversation, all right? That's a good way to get the door closed on you or the hose sprayed at you. I wouldn't do it that way. But I, today, when I witness, I don't rely on anything that I do or the way I say things. I give, it's just like when I preach, more than anything else I say, this book is what's being shared. Because the Word of God is what gets to the heart. Not Brian's words. I can't entice anybody with it. This book does the work. And we just need to let the book do its work. Let the book do its work. And God's word worked on Lydia here. And then we see lastly tonight, number three, and I know some of you are getting excited because I said lastly, we see the commitment of Lydia. We see in verse 15, it says, And when she was baptized... Like, oh, she got baptized. That's how she got saved. No, that's not what it's saying. She, she attended under those things that were spoken of by Paul. After she got saved, she gets baptized and her household. She besought us, saying, If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. As we look at Lydia and the commitment of Lydia, the first thing that we see, letter A, is baptism. She identified with Jesus. Let me just remind you here tonight, and when someone gets saved, the first step after salvation should be to get baptized. It is the first step of obedience to the Lord. Now, we've been talking about on Sunday mornings obedience to God and growing in the Lord, right? I believe there are many Christians that never grow in their Christian life because they never follow the Lord in the first step after they get saved in baptism. Does baptism save us? No, it doesn't save us. It identifies us with Jesus Christ. And my question is, because I've had a few people, no, I don't want to get baptized. My question is, why wouldn't you want to identify with the one you just claim to be your Savior? You should identify with him. And I know our world's taken baptism and religion has taken baptism and twisted it every which way. And there are many people that think, well, I was sprinkled as a kid, so that works. You realize in the Bible not one time does it say to be sprinkled. 
doesn't. Uh, Patrick this morning came up to me, and uh, a couple weeks ago, Stater Brothers had some steak on sale, and they, um, I, they said they hadn't had good steaks in a long time, so I got them a package and gave it to them. So they all came up, and they were thanking me. He's like, I took one of those steaks, and I seared on both sides, and then I put it in a pan, and then I took butter and just kept... I said, that's what I call baptizing your steak in butter. And I said, that is the only sprinkling type that I would say is okay when it's doing your steak in butter. That's okay. But other than that, there is no, sprinkling is not found in the Bible. And did you know that sprinkling only became a thing? Because even Catholic churches, you know what, first Catholic churches had baptistries? They did. The question became, what if an infant dies? Because you don't just throw a baby into a baptistry, right? So what if an infant dies without being baptized? So sprinkling came into being because of that. And, but we understand that baptism doesn't save. And so in the Bible, it was by immersion. They went down and came up. That's what baptism is. What is scriptural baptism? Scriptural baptism is after you've received Jesus Christ as your Savior, you follow him in baptism. Does the baptism save you? No, the baptism shows that you're a child of God. I wear a wedding ring. I'm married. I take the wedding ring off. I'm still married. Doesn't change the fact I'm married. I wear the wedding ring so that people know I'm married. That's why I wear it. Baptism identifies you with Jesus Christ. And I, now, we're in a Baptist church, and I know there are some Baptists. I've said this before, and I'll say it one more time. You don't have to be baptized in a Baptist church. You need to be biblically baptized after salvation by immersion. And if there's anyone who hasn't done it the Lord's way, we can talk about that, and we can get that settled one these days. That would be an awesome thing. We see that she got baptized, and the Bible tells us in Acts 2, verse 41 and 42, And they that gladly received his word, what did they do? They were baptized. And the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls, and they continued steadfast in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers. We see right there the Great Commission completely laid out. Go, win them, baptize them, and teach them what sort of things I've commanded you. That is the Great Commission right there in Acts chapter number 2. The Bible also tells us in Romans chapter number 6, verse 4 through 6, it says, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, and henceforth we should not serve sin. And we see what ba- it pictures what Christ did. His death, burial, resurrection. And in all reality, we got to understand something. When Christ died on the cross and he was crucified, he crucified our old man. And we should follow in his footsteps. And that's what baptism is all about. But not only do we see that she identified with the Lord and she got baptized, but we see lastly tonight, let her be, the fact that she was using her resources for the glory of God. You know, it says, look at the rest of verse number uh, 15 there. It says, and when she was baptized in her household, she besought us. That word besought means to call to one side or entreat. She wanted to encourage. You know how Barnabas came alongside? Lydia wanted to come alongside and help. You'll notice 
that as we look at this and we look at her growth, we see, as it says here in verse 15, she besides saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. Now, a little quick lesson for you. You know where I get the idea of how we pick people to serve at Victory Baptist Church? It comes from right here. Do you see she was faithful? And then she served. Many people will come and be like, Pastor, I could do this, 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 all of this. And my response is, when you, first of all, make sure that this is your church. Don't just come for a week or two because I know, I know I'm a great preacher and things like that, but a few months, a few weeks after hearing me, you're not going to like it as much anymore. It always works out that way. Or I'm going to offend you in some way. Give it some time. But just be faithful. Just be faithful. And this is the thing. We want in our, and I've, I've changed things around quite a bit. Our church, what used to be, I just needed someone to fill a spot. So, hey, if, you're, if you come once in a balloon, I got to have something. It's not that way anymore. And I'm on our teachers too. All of them. If you're going to teach, you better be faithful. Because what type of an example are you to the kids that you're teaching? And I know there's work that comes up, sickness comes, and I'm not expecting you to sit here when you're sick and cough and make everyone else sick. I also know some of you work crazy hours. You know, I don't even know Lori works like crazy hours. I don't even know when she's, unless she, the other day she was home during the day bugging me, and so I was, I was hoping she would have been gone to work. But um, she works crazy hours. But just be faithful. So, Pastor, I want to serve. Be faithful. Be faithful. I want to sing in the choir. Be faithful. Be faithful. Be faithful and serve. But be faithful. That's where it begins. Just be faithful. It's hard to find faithful people today, isn't it? Faithful man who can find. Just be faithful. And we see the fact she said it right there. You judge me to be faithful to the Lord. Come into my house and abide here. And she constrained us. She was faithful and then able to serve. I think that's a great way for ministry to be. And we see, once again, another church getting going. We see the work of God continuing. The people were sensitive to the Spirit of God and God's leading, and the work of God just continues. And in 2023, the work of God just wants to continue today. And God's waiting for people who will be sensitive to His Spirit and follow His calling and do what they've called them to do. Father, thank You for the time we've had tonight in Your Word. And thank You for Your faithfulness.